Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 229 of The Cutback. Um, Matt and I have decided to change the name and rebrand Post 20. Uh, so this is either episode one of The Cutback or episode 229 of the Post 20 podcast that is now The Cutback. We're going to continue because I don't see any point in restarting at one. That's going to just... It's not going to seem right. So welcome to the cutback. We have rebranded, but it is the same show. Uh, I am joined as always by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Yeah. New colors, new, new logo. Feels good. Feels like a new chapter in uh, what we've been going on here now for a little over four years now. Um, It's a nice sharp name that people can get an understanding for now, a more general idea of what we're going for. And uh, we're happy about it. So I'm I'm really happy so far for the past week, though. Pretty light for soccer, but when the the five games that happened last weekend, it was there was a lot to talk about, though. And we got five more coming up this weekend that I'm sure will hopefully deliver the same type of uh, results. Plenty of stuff to talk about game wise. Plenty of stuff to talk about transfer wise. Um, the world of football is. Uh, seemingly turning upside down uh, with all of these uh, departures or potential departures um, from the Saudi Pro League, which was, you know, the the culprit of stealing all of these top class players uh, in the summertime. So we're going to jump into these games after Matt uh, tells you how we fared uh, over last weekend. And then uh, after that, we'll give you our picks and talk about, you know, what's kind of going on transfers um and and stuff like that because there's there's plenty to go over yep so the five games we had evan and i both went two and three uh and zach snuck in there he went four and one the only game he got wrong was that everton nil nil but yeah we got five more so we got time to even it out or go positive i think there's a few results that might be some gimmies here yeah there should be quite a few um that liverpool bournemouth one may be looking uh a little bit more odd uh, but you know, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to see by the time we get there. All right. Should we jump, uh, into Burnley versus Luton? Yeah. There's a lot to go over here, especially with how the game ended. Yes. So the scoring opening or opened in the 36th minute with Zicky, uh, M. Dooney scoring. Uh, it was rather quiet on the goal scoring front until the 92nd minute when, Carlton Morris put the ball in the back of the net, uh, and this is where things sort of uh, elevated. There was a VAR check. Um, it seemed to me that the goal would be ruled offside, but it was given, uh, or not ruled offside, but you know taken off the board. Uh, I I was nearly certain they were going to take it off. There's incongruences again with the way that VAR operates, but the goal was awarded, and somehow or another, Luton Town managed to steal a point against Burnley, who I thought were considerably better. Um, defended very well. James Trafford, I mean, we've talked about how good he actually could be if he had a functioning back line in front of him. And this is one of those games where he showcased how good he is, you know, shot stopping, things like that. Uh, the Carlton Morris goal may have been his fault because of his um decision to go to ground but i think in general trafford and the defense looked 
solid, or at least more solid than they have uh, in recent weeks. Still struggling a bit up top and in the midfield. Mduni with a nice finish, but was subbed off late. Um, and then on the Luton Town end, they continue to show fight. Uh, I don't necessarily think the style of football they play is beautiful or anything like that, but I think um, Rob Edwards has them playing just very inspired, passionate football. And it's it's kind of showing some dividends. You know, within the last four weeks, they've got two wins and a draw. Uh, this isn't against unbelievable opposition here against, against Burnley, but still uh, to stay in it until the very end and fight and make sure that that ball did go into the back of the net, whether it was going to be taken off the board or not, there's something to be said for that. And I think you have to give Luton Town a ton of credit uh, for kind of how they've kicked it up over the last month, especially into that holiday period where they had a couple of really, really good results. A good result against Liverpool, a loss against Arsenal that probably shouldn't have been a loss. Um, they've they've been playing really hard. It may not be good, but it's they play very hard. They've been very resilient. I would yep. agree with that, but I believe Burnley got really screwed they up. They got here. fucked. They did get fucked. Ogbene, who who looked back on the ball delivered in by Dowdy, turned around and saw Trafford coming out and fully just blocked his path on purpose. And it was a free header for Morris. I think looking at that and the way it went on and on, you could tell the tension in the stadium and just how they felt it wasn't going to get overturned. And when it did, just company was fully beside himself. And in his post-match interview, he is just fully blown away. And... Some believe maybe due to it being two clubs like Burnley and Luton, not the highest of profile, maybe VAR thought they could get away with this because there were more matches to come over the next coming days to wash out this this news. But I think I heard a, I heard the argument this was a, a decision to follow up on the Arsenal-Newcastle one that happened with the three, three potential VAR overturn moments for the Arsenal game where Newcastle beat them. Yeah. Um, when um, Ryo got pushed in the back or Gabrielle, I forget, but, and uh, Jolington or Gordon tapped it in. So yep. I think it was, if they would have overruled this, it would have made that decision look like a massive error. But so upholding it here kind of validates that moving forward and is going to be tricky. But I feel like company and Burnley once again get screwed over. And with this result, the commentary said now Burnley from from winning positions this season have dropped 18 points and this ultimately is going to really just settle them down here and at this point I'm not in any thought process thinking company is going to get sacked they've stuck with him for 21 matches now with three wins they're five points from safety but I'm sure we'll touch on this towards the end of the show but with the news of Everton and Forrest being yeah. um, penalized <laughs> yeah. for more financial fair play issues potentially six points more to Everton and sixth and fourth to get deducted potentially in the coming weeks. But yeah, I just think that's the only way Burnley will get saved this year is if Everton and Forrest just get penalized more and more at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair assessment of the situation. Um before we move on, I, I I have to say I do agree. I think Burnley get very hard done by in this one. That's it's not a good look for the referees at all for this to even be a situation, but here we are again. It's VAR on our lips uh, seemingly once a week, uh, and it's a, when we do talk about it, it's a serious oversight, so it's a problem. Um, 
on the the topic of the uh, deductions, it the FA is really pushing and pressing this um, this season. We haven't seen these in season deductions for from what I can remember for my probably the entire time I've been watching the Prem, which has been you know close to fifth, nah, maybe not fifteen years, but definitely twelve or or thirteen years. This is craziness. Yeah, I don't think they've done this since the late 90s when uh, I think Millsboro got deducted three points or so and they got ultimately got relegated by a point. So I think this is just what you see with financial fair play now. Obviously, it wasn't an issue in those times. Um, that was that for that reason with the Middlesbrough points is because they didn't make up a match. That's why they got deducted those points. And so we've never seen anything like this and we're finally seeing what the law is going to be mandated of i think it's been confirmed man city's got a court date or a date that they're going to go about those 115 charges but that date hasn't been revealed and i think a strong reason why they're they've been delaying it is just in the courts and with man city and their funding they can afford to do that push it down the line for a year or so whereas burnley or not burnley when everton and not Forest couldn't do the same thing because they don't have that same status so um it all makes sense when when you put in the in those terms it's logically there for me but yeah i don't know it's just really tough to 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 see how everton are constantly tripping over themselves and the players are now having to suffer for that and they have to dig out these these people in the executive boardroom and that for making to just fix their mistakes by saving their asses on the pitch yeah um my question to you we've seen what everton have done we know what their charges are They've been. They're going to be docked twelve points total over the entire year for two. Uh, right what's that? Ten. It's ten right now. Ten. Okay. Um. So for for their transgressions, they will be docked ten points. Nottingham Forest. They're going to be docked points as well. If Manchester City are not docked points or handed a punishment, significant punishment, does it devalue the Premier League to you? I think eventually there will be some sort of punishment, but like I said, it, they're just going to push it down with legal fees and that, and they're just going to compete with the Prem and the third parties that are investigating them because they have the resources to do that. Ultimately, they're going to have to take to see their day in court, but I, ultimately, I don't think we're going to see it have any effect on this season. No, no, yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll be this season or probably even you're next just saying, season. You're but just saying, does it? Yeah, you don't want this to come to nothing. No, because if it comes to nothing, this this like, I'm not going to say I'm going to stop watching because I I would watch regardless, just because it's the game that I love. But um, it it does I'm sure for for a lot of people, people that have been supporting their clubs for you know 50 years, and there's plenty of them all across the world. If you if you see Manchester City rise up from essentially nothing only because of money, because they've bought their way to the top, um, and then not be punished for it whatsoever after it's been found that they should be punished, that de- it devalues the integrity of this league. And this league has worked so hard, and the FA has worked so hard to make it what it is. It's not, it wasn't 15, 20 years ago what it is now. It just wasn't financially, uh, integrity, and also just world popularity i mean other leagues were more popular syria was very popular it's not that way anymore outside of italy 
people watch it, I watch it, but it's not it's not even close to the amount of viewership that you know the the Premier League has in the US and other foreign markets. It it does in my opinion devalue the the product. And I think teams of other clubs and even even teams, you know, fans of fans, I meant to say fans. Fans of other clubs and fans of Manchester City like you have to look at this and be like like really, you know, what what's what's the fucking point if if people are going to be able to cheat which Juventus did for a long time and then eventually got pun- severely punished then what what's the point in in watching where's the where's the integrity yeah there's like a set outcome in a way right it's rigged um, i think it, the sports in general not just the prem and, and football around the world and like as a whole but all sports and and all most assets or aspects of society have become political in a sense. Mm. And with the mention you brought up about the finances of the league and how much money is brought in with the TV um, rights and, and all that coming in from America and wanting to grow the audience out here in the West. Um, it's, it, it, it adds up and people are in each other's pockets and things can get pushed back. You meet people, you get ties up. We've seen this with UEFA and uh, FIFA with Set Blatter decades ago and how that all happened and even with the world cup in qatar two years ago now um it's it's a twisted thing and ultimately the morality of of it is corrupt and you just hope that your club can find a way to ultimately build the foundations uh so that things like that won't hold you down Mm. overall and you can still compete and even speaking with man city you, it, they've done corrupt things, I'm sure, like other clubs. But with that time they've spent under the radar, they've built a great foundation in a youth system, and you're seeing them always net positive in transfer windows, selling on great players. Even most recently, you're seeing Cole Palmer, a guy come through and never get a chance, and now he's he's arguably the best player at Chelsea. Yeah, and they're still bringing in the best young talent. So um, I agree. I'd love to see them pay their day in court. Obviously, there's a bit of envy in that in that sense from me because I want to see my club at the top. And <laughs> Join the club, buddy. I'm with you. Seeing that consistency of having the right coach, the the right mentality with your staff, uh, a good youth system, constantly growing, great talent, and always being in the top four and always pushing to win trophies. It's what you want to aim for, but. Ultimately, nobody's ever going to be going through that whole process doing it cleanly. It's just almost impossible. So, it's you want to eventually everybody's going to have to pay their dues. We're seeing Chelsea most recently with with Roman, um, and now the clubs suffer greatly and are really irrelevant to a point when it comes to trophies. But um, yeah, we'll see. Everybody has their day. Dynasties always crumble. Empires always fall and mm. man city's time will eventually come because karma's karma's a bitch yeah mm, i can't wait i will be there for that uh all right let's move on we we're talking about chelsea chelsea won fulham nil uh a lone penalty goal in the uh stoppage time of the first half the 49th minute cold palmer struck cold palmer uh as the streets are calling him chelsea moved to ninth in the table they are on 31 points they have four wins in their last five in the league uh and they are absolutely flying not an easy match against a fulham team uh who just beat arsenal they did um you know i i thought they looked 
unbelievable in that game. They looked really, really good, really up to the task. Um, not quite so much in this one uh, against Chelsea. All It seemed like all of Chelsea's uh, players got yellows in this one. Very physical. Fernandez, um, Gusto, DeSassi, Thiago Silva, and Cole Palmer all issued yellows in this one. Uh, they had to fight really hard to make sure that they won the game. I thought they played excellent in possession. Um, only three shots on target, but managed to get that penalty and convert it. This is a little bit more like it from Chelsea. Probably not the high wire, um, unbelievable buccaneering, sensational goal-scoring football that you want to see as a fan of, of any given club, but very effective. And Fulham are nothing to scoff at at the minute. Uh, I know they're in 13th, but they have played at points this season very, very good matches. Um, I think Chelsea did extremely well to come out on top, uh, and I think this will be a huge disappointment for Fulham. Uh, they they certainly would have come into this game looking for at least a point, and I think most people thought maybe they could definitely get a point, maybe even win. Uh, this is a disappointing result for them, no doubt. Starting from the back, Petrovic gaining more credibility. Yeah, he's much better. Team, great, great moments, save after save. Uh, calm, doesn't step outside of what he's he knows he's good at. He doesn't try to be something he's not with the the ball at his feet. Um, the back line, Gusto, you mentioned, got a yellow in the first half. Fortunate not to get a red. We've seen those challenges deemed as reds for reckless and violent conduct. Um, Dezazi and Silver are the go-to pairing and did did good. And Caldwell getting pigeonholed at that left back. I saw review the highlights an hour ago, and he was getting in attacking positions, top the box, having shots. And I don't know if I want to see him there. We saw the return of Ben Showell. He's finally back into match play and... He he came in at a left wing mm. once again as he did the start of the season. Um, don't don't like to see that takes away uh, that 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 asset there. It makes him something he's not similar to Caldwell at left back. So I'd like to see Chilo get time at left back where he actually plays the midfield. Caicedo Enzo good balls in good good um, winning it in the midfield. Enzo particularly Gallagher in that attacking position gives you a strong ninety minutes up and down the pitch had a great opportunity with that outside the foot shot late on rattled off the post could have been a great moment for him i liked sterling more in this game his his comfortable left wing that's probably where he should play all the time mudrick should rotate with him um whenever he's he's not at his best and cole palmer i think needs to play at the 10 he's much better in a central position which ultimately is going to bump gallagher to the bench which I wouldn't be opposed to. He'd be a great guy to come off the bench at times to just get the guys going. And it, it allows Medweke or Mudrik or Wenenkunku's fit to fill in those voids or Kachuko Mecca now. Um, and then Broya is one of those guys now with the transfer mill going around. Potentially, is he going to leave? Is he going to stay? Depending on if Chelsea brings in a forward, there's rumors about Benzema or Firmino. I don't mm -hmm. know. Not sure about that one. It would be another one to just come in and ruin that his their own reputation but i'm okay if we keep Broya. he he can earn his way back to some credibility but yeah overall the way we played was not satisfactory to me but the result is great fulham just wasn't on their day it just wasn't meant to be willian had a few free kick opportunities and fortunately didn't go against us thank god but 
Yeah, it was just, it was like you mentioned, it was weird coming off that Arsenal high of a win, beating them, and now coming to play Chelsea, who you would think is inferior, and they dropped the points. So, yeah, happy to still keep them down. It's They still haven't beaten us at, at the bridge since the 90s. They've only beaten us once in the Premier League at, at the bridge. So, we're hopefully keep that going on the next year now that we played them twice. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, uh, let us move on to the next game where we had Newcastle eventually falling to Manchester City. Uh, final score of 3-2. Uh, first goal was a sensational finish by Bernardo Silva in the 26th minute. Um, pretty much as tasty as it gets. I mean, it was, it was really something. That's one, uh, if you haven't seen it, I mean go watch it and rewind it and watch it again and again and again. Uh, that is just an unbelievable level of skill uh, that you don't see on display in, in tight areas like that all that often. Uh, but Alexander Isak got one back in the 35th minute. Um, uh, <clears throat> Anthony Gordon then scored in the 37th minute. 2-1 all the way uh, into the 74th minute when... We saw the triumphant return of one Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, he scored in the 74th and then later assisted Oscar Bob in the 91st minute to take all three points for uh, the citizens. I am telling you right now, the minute KDB got subbed in, I was convinced that City would get something out of it. Um, he wasn't on the pitch for all that long before, you know, he scored. And then 15 minutes after he scored, he assisted the level that he just, just the amount of talent that he injects into this team. Any single time he steps on, uh, is so high. I wasn't convinced that he'd be fully fit and he'd be right back to his ways. Uh, immediately I was wrong. Uh, he got a new haircut, I'm not a huge fan, but it seems like uh, the general public thinks it's it's rather nice, uh, and he looks just bang on, right back onto onto pace. Um, Newcastle, I thought, played really well. They haven't looked great this season compared to maybe what we had expected at the beginning, um, and it's looking like maybe things are kind of getting shaky for Eddie Howe. Uh, Dubrovka had a great game again. This is two really good ones in a row. Isaks continued to look impressive. Uh, this team is still decimated by injuries. We're seeing Lewis Miley there uh, in the midfield. He was a Chelsea product, I believe. Gimaresh not quite been as good as he was last year. Um, yeah, man, it's it's not great for Newcastle at the minute. Um, I was hoping they would hold on, but unfortunately, they were just just no match. Uh, for this generational Oscar Bob that I'm hearing about. Yeah, this this match I would argue is in like the top five for matches. Oh, so, so good, far. man! So good. It was it was a good back and forth. Uh, early on, we saw an unfortunate injury to Ederson right in the first minute or so. We another thing to talk about is the offsides ruling, um, the delayed calls. Letting, letting plays finish out and seeing what happens and then just rolling it back regardless. Uh, and this is a result of, or this is an example of why we don't want that because you see top players get injured and it almost cost, cost them. A couple minutes later, Ederson toughed it out and made a massive mistake and was subbed out immediately after. And we saw Ortega step in, but 
Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think they should just rule it right away? Because after that injury, that linesman called almost every offsides instantly. Yep, absolutely. Because you know what? I think you're right on the money. It has to be called immediately because what happens is their doubt creeps in, right? Doubt creeps into players' minds. You make different decisions. The anticipation of the opposite team is going to be different. And this is what happens. Injuries can happen after that because everybody's playing at... 0.75x speed because you don't know when the other shoe is going to drop if they're going to call it if they're not going to call it it just changes the pace of the game and i think absolutely if there is a clear and obvious offside even if it's not completely clear and obvious you're better off ruling it if you know sometimes you're going to get it wrong but this is how it used to be they'd make offsides calls maybe it wasn't right but it you know you made the offsides call that's what it was if you want to argue it argue it with the with the uh referee on the field that's it play continues and it, it's done and over with instead you know you're you're waiting to see was it offside yeah maybe it was offside but they're going to let us continue to play and then that's when the injury happens later on to ederson i i'm with you i think play needs to be stopped immediately if there's an offside call made on the field there's there's no question Credit to Newcastle because they found a great way to quickly counter and play deep balls in behind the, the high line of Man City, that back three. And Isak was a great example of that. He put a great the great goal away. And then the double by Gordon just emphasized that. And going into the half at 2-1, I felt like Newcastle was going to ultimately give one up because Man City, like we mentioned, they've built that resume and that character of they're always going to come back. They always have a chance. And... Having Kevin De Bruyne, a guy like that, on your bench with all the doubters around thinking he's cooked, and we've done that at periods of time thinking he's he's over the peak and just man of the match performance, he comes back with a bang. And after he scored that goal, there was no celebrations. It was just, he just said, let's get back where the job's not finished. And the ball in Oscar Bob was just, nobody else really could play that. You, maybe one other guy in the league you could think would play that ball perfectly to him. And the poise that Bob had to put it away was great. It's a moment he'll remember. I think that was his first goal of the season in the Prem, first of his career. Um, he's in a similar – he takes over the Cole Palmer role now for them. He's going to have to fight his way for minutes. But it's a, it's just incredible to see this Man City team fight. And you saw Pep have a rare moment of just expressing all of those emotions. His coaching staff is the one guy just smashed a water bottle. <laughs> I saw just, that. He just couldn't hold it in. He had to just let it out. And it's a great moment to see a team like this fight back. But it just shows every all, all 19 other teams in this league you, you, that this match might have awoken a, a sleeping giant to go on that run that we all expect them to do. But right now they have three straight wins. Is this when they extend it to 10-12 and then nobody has a chance to catch up? I mean, the, answer, the easy answer is probably yes. Um... I don't think they're going to win the treble again, but uh, it's entirely possible that they just don't lose a game for the rest of the season. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Um, this is the point in the season where everybody else, Arsenal fans, Liverpool fans, uh, and even, I guess, maybe Villa fans this year too, you just have to hope that something terrible happens and they drop... You know, in in odd fashion, they drop a couple more uh, matches, but I don't, I just don't see it. I think they have to play Arsenal again. I think they have to play Villa again, uh, and I think they maybe have Liverpool one more time as well. So, for me, like I just gotta hope 
they all beat up on each other and Arsenal win that one. Maybe we pick up a couple of points, but it's looking dire again. This is the same thing that happened last year and it's it's scary. Yeah, they play they play Liverpool and Liverpool and Arsenal in March and then they play Villa in in uh April. They got Tottenham still in there too. Those are those four teams that you look and think maybe they could do something, but their next five they have uh, Burnley, they played Brentford twice. They have Chelsea and Everton. So, And then it mixed in there. They have the Champions League with Copenhagen. And then they play their next matches against Spurs in the FA Cup. So hopefully Tottenham can do something for everybody else there. Do us a favor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, let's move on. Everton nil, Aston Villa nil. Um, didn't catch all of this game. Caught the first half. Uh, bit of a sleeper. I, I don't... It's kind of like in every other game thing with Villa now. Um, sometimes they look kind of flat. I thought, you know, this wasn't their worst game uh, of the season. They did have 16 shots. They controlled a majority of the possession. But this is kind of what we expect from Villa uh, at this point in time. They played so well this season, you would expect them to go uh, to Goodison and, and absolutely control the tempo. That's what they did, but they were unable to break down that back line. Uh, Branthwaite, Tarkovsky had decent games. We saw Seamus Coleman uh, become Everton, I believe, their most uh, appeared player. So, you know, that's that's it's crazy. I mean, Seamus Coleman has been playing for as long as I can remember. He's been playing for a long, long time and not, you know, yeah, obviously hasn't had as much time in the past couple of years as, uh, back in the day when you'd see him all the time. I'll never forget Coleman and McGeady together. That was something, uh, truly something, but yeah, uh, I guess bravo to Everton for, for managing a point in this one. Um, definitely outgunned in terms of firepower on Villa side. We saw Leon Bailey and Diaby both get starts. They played this time linked up on the same side. Diaby at, at center forward and Bailey at right mid. Um, John McGinn's come back down to earth a little bit. Um, we saw Telemans for a minute. He was given a yellow card. Zaniolo got some time. Um, but this midfield, when it doesn't kick, like when, when Louise isn't totally on, uh, the service isn't quite as good to Watkins. It's just kind of like a hit or a miss thing. Watkins can give you five goals in five minutes, or he can just entirely vanish. And he had a couple of chances in this one, but I think overall uh, that strike partnership, Diaby and Watkins, they should be doing a better job, especially out uh, in between, you know, Mikalenko and, Br and Branthwaite and Tarkovsky and Coleman. There's not a fuck ton of pace there outside of Branthwaite. They should be doing better uh, to get into those pockets and convert. And unfortunately, they just were not able to do it. So uh, I think Everton will certainly be happy with a point, uh, especially with more points coming and being taken away. But uh, yeah, disappointing, I think, result for Aston Villa. I did was able to watch this game and I'd have to say opposite. This was pretty end to end. There were a lot of good opportunities here for both teams to capitalize. For Everton, DC had a great opportunity, I believe, in the in the no, it was the first half. Yeah. He was in on goal, clean breakaway. He had about thirty yards in to think about what he's gonna do and just hit it right at, at Martinez's trailing leg and that was really his best opportunity. It's continues his drought of like fifteen plus matches without a goal now. And the wingers, Dan Juma stepping in for McNeil, who was injured in a recent cup game. He stepped in, was a great, had put on solid performance, found himself in a lot of good op, uh, attacking opportunities to, to score. Garner had a couple chances, but I think they really did a good job neutralizing 
those those pockets of space in behind, as you mentioned, that Villa failed to take advantage of. They really packed it in there and didn't allow Watkins to get in behind. Watkins had to do a lot of checkbacks to into the midfield now as like a shadow striker and was good in linking it up. But ultimately, when those balls were ripped in, that defense was very compact and cleared a lot of those chances away. Pickford, a lot of good saves. And yeah, I would say bigger point for Everton here because of obviously the the new charges against them and potentially more points deducted from them, which could be catastrophic. But yeah, uh, Villa, like you mentioned, they just, this is only the, I looked it up just now, this is only the second game all season in all comps that they were held scoreless in a match. So a rare, a rare occasion that they don't score and they held all those attacking options quiet. So Everton definitely should be proud of that. Yeah. Um, okay. On to the final game of last weekend. This one was certainly entertaining. Manchester United 2, Tottenham 2. Um, this one at Old Trafford, obviously. Um, nobody knew how this one was going to go. We saw Romero and Vandevin both in there. Uh, Vandevin then got injured again so he'll be going back uh, onto the waiver wire in the fantasy league held on to him all that time for nothing um but yeah i i thought i thought both of these teams attacked with you know some intent uh for once tottenham usually have some intent but united it's been a lot of just wishy-washy nonsense uh rasmus hoyland got the scoring started in the third minute uh, he's been in better form in the league recently, which is nice to see, I suppose, if you're a United fan. Um, and then Richarlison got one back in the 19th minute, uh, filling in uh, for goal-scoring duty for where, where Son was. Um, and then we had Marcus Rashford get on the score sheet in the 40th minute, but that was not before Tottenham started the second half with a goal from Rodrigo Bensoncourt. Uh Timo Werner got the start, got an assist as well. Um, but don't be fooled. He did cut in, uh, from the left side and blow a shot 40 yards over the goal. Uh, I hope you, you know, people saw that still a little bit of that old Chelsea Timo in there. Um, Commentary did him dirty. They mentioned that's Chelsea Timo. They they, they did. Disrespectful. But I will say Timo was much better. I I think he, you know, he did a job. Uh, He's better playing as left wing. I always used to say he was better as a striker, but I think, you know, as time has gone on, we've seen he is probably more suited to be uh, a winger. And he's not, he's not going to be Leipzig Timo. That's just not what you can expect from him. The quality in the Premier League is different. It's it's not quite the same. He doesn't quite even have the pace that he had when he was um, so unbelievable at Leipzig just a couple of years ago. Things have changed, but I think he could absolutely do a job for Tottenham on loan here, especially um, when they're missing players. I mean, uh, Kulisevsky wasn't even named. He was ill. Um, they had Brennan Johnson out on the right and Timo on the left. Bentoncourt, you know, not a player that you see score all that often, not a player that we've seen hardly at all this season. I think this was just his third start, um, and he managed to get himself on the score sheet. So really nice. I mean, this was a piecemealed um, Tottenham team with no Son and no Kulisevsky. They've been so instrumental this year. Uh, back line changing once again. This is a full-strength back line, but at the same time, Vandevin and Romero haven't played together for months now at this point, so you didn't really know what you were going to ex- you know, be able to expect. I think a draw is an excellent result um, right now for both of these teams. 
Uh, they're missing players. United's not really, but I think they'll take a draw against Tottenham with uh, the form they've kind of been in and how well they're playing this season. Uh, United now with two draws and a win in their last five. Tottenham with three wins and a draw, the other one being a loss. This was an entertaining game. That's kind of all I was hoping for out of it. Uh, and I think with with all of the missing players on the Tottenham side, they're going to be really happy with the way that this one ended. Bernacho was kept quiet for the yeah. most part. Odogi did a great job of just putting the clamps on him. And anytime they made contact, Odogi won most of those duels. And Poro in the attack was phenomenal. Corner kicks was just bombarding that box. United defending set pieces looked fragile and. Kobe Maynew at one point was marking Romero, which I don't know how that ended up uh, off the tactician board, but that was uh, something that I didn't understand. Um, what did you think of um, Rashford's goal celebration? He did the hand gesture with the talking. He did. puppet type of thing, signaling probably all the all the people talking shit about him, saying he's washed and that. Good. He didn't really, he didn't really celebrate about it. He was just more about just making a statement of it. That's good. That's that's what everybody has been asking of Rashford. And if you're a fan of the league in general, you're a fan of, you know, these young, talented players, forwards, that's what you want to see. You want to see a little bit of passion. You want to see a little bit of fight, anger. Sh- show us something. Don't just, you know, be the mushy mouth, quiet, sitting on the bench, sulking. That's not what we want to see. That 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 is exactly what... United fans would have wanted to see from him and turning it up and playing attacking football, finishing when the chances are given to you and then backing your fucking shit up after that's what people want to see. So I was, I was thrilled to see that from Marcus Rashford. Um, you know, United are way more fun to watch, uh, when Rashford's at his best. And it seems like maybe, um, with his form in the last two or three weeks, he might be getting back to that. So that's good stuff. You know, we saw Martinez come back. He's back in the team. Uh, Casemiro made the bench, and I'm sure we'll be seeing Maguire sooner or later. So the back line's coming back. Uh, Luke Shaw was absent here, but once he's back, that's a strong back five, back to what they want. Funnily enough, Onana, right after the game, oh, I called, saw this. His, his flight was delayed to, um, I think, the African Cup of Nations. Is it in? Ivory Coast, is that where it yes, is? Yes, that's that's where he was flying. That is correct. So he was flying there, his plane got delayed, and then he had to take a, a bus or he had a car ride 150 miles and ultimately didn't make it in time to make the team sheet. And they that, didn't, that, I don't think they won the match either. So so here's the, the word is apparently he, he could have been named in the team, but the manager said it wasn't important enough for you to get here you know, beforehand, so we didn't right. name you in the team, which is kind of a shame because you know what? As much of as we've slandered Onana, he knows what was paid for him. He knows what's expected of him, and he wanted to make sure that he didn't miss out on this match. It was a huge match for his club, and he clearly cares. So you have to, in today's age, sometimes players just don't fucking care. So you got to give him credit for that. I I have you know a lot of respect for him. Um, you know, for sticking around and making sure that he was there to play this game. Maybe it's selfish because he doesn't want the other guy to take over, but, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and, you know, kind of applaud him on that one. Yeah, they they drew that match 1-1 that he missed. Yeah, so, whatever. Not Um, not too bad. Salah apparently got injured. Injured, yes, that is correct. Hamstring knock. 
Um, the Liverpool fans in my life seem to think it's just a knock he'll be back, uh, especially if you know Egypt get grouped uh, and get kicked out of Afcon, which it seems like they're they're going to at this point. So uh, they and, think, uh, yeah, he'll be got- right back and he'll be fine. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, they got two draws from their two games. They got one more against Cape Verde, who leads the group with three points. Okay, um, so they could get through, for sure. They kept. They still haven't played their second match either, so they could be even further behind, depending on that result. Cape Verde play Mozambique, which I didn't know Mozambique was a country. Of course. Um, the only thing I knew Mozambique was it was a, a gun in, in uh, Apex Legends. That's right. It was a shotgun pistol, I believe, correct? <laughs> yeah, Is that correct? So- that is, oh, shit. But yeah, I didn't realize that. I didn't. There's a lot of countries here I didn't know existed, but I knew mo- most of them from like growing up with the World Cup and that. But yeah, it's that's shocking at times. So yeah, Mozambique is right. Um, I believe uh, Madagascar. It's the closest nation to Madagascar. It's a it's a large country in Africa, con- considering how small some of them are. It is. It's the one that borders them along the sea, yep. or the ocean. Yeah, over by Somalia. Um, all right, shall we do our picks, uh, or should we talk about, you know, kind of what's happening in, let's talk about Saudi first, shall we? Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, word on the street is that a lot of these players are seemingly not happy, um, with the way, you know, life in Saudi Arabia monetarily and also lifestyle wise is kind of going. Um, shocker uh shocker who would have guessed that um you know living under an extremely conservative regime uh of highly religious folks in saudi arabia in the middle of the fucking desert where it's nine million degrees at all times and you're away from all of your creature comforts that you're used to in your native countries who could have guessed that that would have been a problem uh certainly not us but uh, a couple of players that are, you know, seemingly not happy, and actually one that definitely wasn't happy and has already signed papers to leave is Jordan Henderson. Um, so Henderson, who was slandered for uh, going to this country with extremely anti-gay policies after he was a huge uh, spearhead for, um, you know, making change in the UK with uh, law and and you know hate speech and making sure you know that stuff was was not you know, finding its place into society anymore. Uh, That was a huge thing for him when he was playing for Liverpool and he was a big part of, you know, trying to make change there. Uh, Decided to go to Saudi Arabia where that kind of thing, being gay is not, you can't do that. That, That's not a choice. Um, They they don't really like that very much over there in in a nation with strong Muslim beliefs. Um, So he went over there, uh, sold out, you know, tried to, to take the money, uh, but actually in the long run had to defer his payments as that was his choice. He was trying to maybe get around some tax law. Understandable. If you're going to take the bag, you want to get the most out of it. I get it, but uh, wasn't happy at El Etifak, which is um, the club that Steven Gerrard is actually managing at the minute. He just signed uh, an extension till 2027. That paperwork was put in about half an hour ago. Um, Decided to leave. He is going to Ajax. That's one player who's decided to leave. Uh, Jota of Celtic fame uh, has stated that he's not so happy at Al-Itihad. Benzema, same thing at Al-Itihad. And then we've also heard that there's some rumblings regarding Neymar. 
uh, maybe that his contract could be terminated. Apparently it's fake, um, but he didn't play much for Al-Hilal um, Al before uh, he was kind of injured and then out of the team, and there's a lot of drama going on. Drama follows Neymar everywhere, but it's seeming like maybe all of these marquee signings uh, that the Saudis have spent all of this money on uh, it may not be going to plan. We might be seeing Chinese Super League 2.0 where players go and then players, you know, just slowly trickle back. This is more than a trickle. And I'd say uh, if you're a, a Saudi Pro League fan, this is concerning uh, at the least for us who don't. I don't tune into the SPL. I mean, I don't give a fuck about that shit. I think it's bubblegum. That's probably why Ronaldo went there. He's a stat patter. Um, yeah, I don't care about it. I'd love to, to see those guys back. I'd love to see Benzema in, in a, you know, a Premier League kit. I don't care if it's for Chelsea. Benzema is one of my favorite forwards ever. I'd, I'd love to see him play in a league where it matters. Um, what do you think? I mean, is it, is it overblown? Are these guys actually not going to leave? Are they going to get more money and stay? Or um, what do you think of the situation? And are you maybe rooting to see some of these guys um, make their way back to serious uh, footballing domains? We saw this with the golf. With the we did with all that, and they all those players said it was for the money and they're able to play in the same tournaments and all that so it's not the same thing as as football here with different leagues not being able to play in european competitions and all that and they're kind of secluded or excluded from a lot of those those aspects of life and what they're used to as you mentioned already but yeah it's it comes back to what we were talking about at the top of the show with building a foundation and we were talking about clubs and now with leagues like they don't have that reputation they're 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 they don't have the the resources. Well, they do have the financial resources, but they don't have the partnerships to get their games out there, get their clubs known. Get they don't have the the fans. They don't have that that uh, the supporters to build and and be sustainable at this time where they're at. So they tried to buy their way into it, like a lot of team, a lot of the leagues did. We saw this with China. Um, we're seeing this with Saudi. We we're seeing the MLS try to do that now. Well, they've been doing that since David Beckham, and have more have had more success due to that the America's market and wanting loving sports and that. And Saudi, they have the passion for football, but they just don't have the same amount of people going to these events and supporting it. So, it's 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 not going to last, like you mentioned. So we're seeing Jordan Henderson now. He, they mutually terminated his contract. He already signed for Ajax now. Um, funnily enough, he's taking Johan Cruyff's number. Yeah, which, um, is 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 um is quiet is is wild, but um it's it gets along the lines of Enketia taking on Ree's number. I'm sure you'd agree, but yeah, it's 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 that Farmers League. Ronaldo's gonna stat pad. He scored the most goals last year, I think, in a calendar year, uh, with like 50 or 60 against Holland and all of them. So yeah, it's it's not gonna last long ultimately. Yeah. All right. Uh. Okay. Let's uh let's talk about um the games that we have coming up over the next couple of days, shall we? Mm-hmm. All right, Saturday, um we have Arsenal and Crystal Palace kicking off the weekend uh, at seven thirty. Game is at the Emirates. Arsenal in terrible form. They've only taken one win from their last possible five matches. In those five matches, 
matches. They've got three losses, a draw, and then that one win that I mentioned. Palace not in the best form they've been in this season, uh, but things are looking up uh, with Alise and Eze uh, both being available for selection. Uh, Alise's out. Alise's out again now. I thought they were just resting him in that FA Cup game yesterday. No, he. I think he re-aggravated the hamstring. And oh. He's saying he's going to be out for at least two matches, so we're not going to see him for the rest of the month here, at oh. least. All right. That is news to me and not great news at all. Um, so Arsenal with the decided advantage over Crystal Palace in this one. Um, Matt, you can pick first. I, I, I don't want to pick first. I'm going with Arsenal. They're due a result. I think Palace is a tough team to play. And they, they're tricky. We've seen them always pull one on Man City, but and Chelsea on the opposite. We always dominate them. So it could be a weird one. I think that it's going to be a very fragile midfield for Palace. They're going to have a lot of plug-ins there. You're going to have Will Hughes starting, who you don't want there. We mentioned Chris Richards at a, at a position at that CDM next to Lerma. Noah Lisse on the wing is really going to limit what they can do and might have to focus centrally, and as well as Jordan Ayews with the Af- in the African Cup of Nations with Ghana. So he's a big uh, central piece in what they do as well. So I think they're going to struggle. It's at the Emirates. It's going to be tough. I'm going to go with Arsenal. On the other hand, Zach's going to go with the draw. I'm going to go with Arsenal as well. Um, I'm expecting them to either play lockdown defense or very good offense. I am not expecting both. Um, I need to ease myself back into believing because the last five weeks have been very, very tough on my mental state. Um, so I'll take Arsenal, but I'm not expecting something insanely dominant. I think one side of the ball will be really good, but I can't see uh, this being a dominating win. A 3-0 is completely out of the question. I could see a 1-0 or a 2-1, but um, yeah, it's... Our- What's that? I was just going to say Arsenal need these three points bad because Tottenham's level on points and they're starting to fall behind a bit. Yeah, there's no question. It's not good. Um, Okay, next one, Brentford versus Nottingham Forest. This, I believe, is the return of one Ivan Toney. Is that correct? Yep, it is. So he has been um, activated. The sleeper agent will be back. Uh, Nottingham Forest... They're in decent shape right now. They've got two wins on their last two. They're in good form. I still think there's some questions to be asked about that back line and more specifically the man they have in net, as much as it pains me to say that. Um, but Brentford, I mean, they have been absolutely horrific. Uh, they will be without Visa. They will be without Embuemo. Um, All of the scoring output's going to come down to Tony, but that's more than they've had to say for the past couple of weeks. So I'm going to go with Brentford. I think, um, you know, if there's going to be a statement win, if there's going to be a minute where things turn around, it's probably going to be this game. So I'll go with the bees. We might see the debut of their new signing loaned in until the end of the season, Sergio Reguilon from Mm -hmm. Tottenham. So he's going to get some minutes. I'm sure I'm taking Forrest. On the other hand, I just Brentford are just completely bombarded with injuries. Norgard now is going to be out until the end of the month. Uh, the the fullback positions are going to be weak. Hopefully, Regulon can make an instant impact. But the front line there, solely on Tony, uh, Lewis Potter on one wing, and probably Disjust Silva on the other. Damsgard isn't the most appeasing. So I think Forrest to steal one here. And then Zach's going to go with Brentford, as like you are. All right, fair enough. 
Um, next game, if my browser is going to load, it's not. Sheffield versus West Ham. Oh. Uh, I'm rooting for ISIS here. I think I'll take a draw. I mean, West Ham just lost to Bristol City, I believe, yesterday. So, not great. Um, without all of their creative players, no Paquetza. Um, Kudus is away. They don't still don't have a striker, a solid striking option. So, uh, I think Bowen's out even, too. Uh, I... Uh... What's ben that? Rama, ben Rama also oh, he got, got a, a red card in that game, so he's out as well. Yeah, I'm gonna take a draw. So they'll nick a goal somehow, and Sheffield stinks. But I don't, I cannot see them winning this game. No way. Yeah, Zach and I are just buying fully, and we're both taking Sheffield here at home. Wow. I think, I think uh, there are still people talking about David Moyes getting sacked and West Ham are in sixth place. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking crazy. That's not um, happening. They're coming. They're coming off winning the. The, the conference league which third tier european competition but still they won a trophy in europe still a trophy so i mean i think if they lose here to sheffield yeah that's weird that's going to be questionable but i i think sheffield dudes get something here i think we're going to see the debut of that um brenton diaz coming in from valencia so or villarreal i always confuse the two clubs but uh, i think it'll be interesting to see what he can add to this team and uh, maybe Austin Trusty can bag something for himself. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, tell me what the next one is because my thing's not working. We got Bournemouth hosting Liverpool here. The Sunday Sunday night kickoff over there. Uh, one or eleven thirty for us. So um, I'm going to take Liverpool. Zach is as well. Um, it's going to be questionable though because Liverpool away is where they drop their points. And it's saying that, that Sobo's line might be a game-time decision. He's been training. Their whole midfield is going to be is going to be between grabbing Birch Jones and McAllister, throwing Elliott off the bench. No Trent. We saw what that did last time and uh, what that can do for them offensively. So I'm going to still stick with Liverpool, but I think Bournemouth could pull something off here. I'm going to take a draw uh, simply because I need something to happen. Uh, in favor of Arsenal, I, the congestion at the top of the table is getting kind of outrageous. We need to pick up some points. Uh, kind of betting with my heart here. I'm gonna take uh, a draw and hope that Iriola's men, despite not trying to enforce uh, reinforce their team whatsoever, uh, have enough there, and maybe we'll be able to extend uh, their good run that they've had during the holiday period and maybe get a point out of this one. Okay. Last game we got is Brighton versus Wolves on Mon next or this upcoming Monday. Uh, what are you thinking here? I'm gonna take Wolves. Um, still without Huang, but in really good form recently. Uh, they've got three in their last three. Uh, Brighton are in decent form as well. They are in eighth. Uh, so you know they're they're having a decent season despite you know maybe being a little bit off the pace of what we expected. Um, they've got a win and two draws in their last three. Both teams in decent form coming up against each other, but um, I think uh, Wolves will travel and, and get this one done. I've really liked the way uh, that Cunha has played. I think uh, the re-addition of Pedro Neto uh, will invigorate them. And I just think Wolves generally uh, are a team with a little bit more experience. Brighton's still very young. Uh, I think a game like this where it's probably going to have to be a grind out, uh, I'll take Wolves. 
All right, we got a three-way split here. I'm taking a draw, and Zach's going to go with Brighton here to win at home. Wolves coming off three-game win streak, though, so I think if I had to pick one, I'd lead towards Wolves. I'm really excited to see Pedro Neto back in this team. Yeah, I mean, that's been that's been such a huge loss for them, uh, and he was so electric at the beginning of the season. Uh, I'm really excited to see him. And actually, we talked about Jota earlier, uh, Celtic Jota, not Liverpool Jota. I believe his name is Philippe, uh, not, not that Diogo everybody knows. Um, he was unreal for Celtic, and word is that um, he's buddies with Neto and maybe that Portuguese connection. Uh, you never know. Maybe some, some money could be spent and they could bring him in. I know they're on weird, like odd terms with fair play, um, but they could bring him in on a loan. I think that would be possible, and yeah. that's kind of what he's looking for. So uh, that would be that would be really cool, and he's he's such a dynamic player. I mean, you you should see how good he is with the ball at his feet. I'm sure you've seen clips, but he is uh, he's fantastic and deserves to be playing somewhere a little bit more competitive than Saudi, in my opinion. Yeah. One more note before we close things off. Um, interesting note, cult hero for Watford, Troy Deeney. I saw this. Apparently, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, Forest Green. Out, he, I didn't know he had, he was the manager of Forest Green. Not for, for long. Two, <laughs> after six matches, got the sack. Yeah. Um, they're in dead last in the in the, in the fourth tier. Gonna probably gonna get relegated oh. to non-league. I didn't I didn't know like first job in League mm-hmm. Two and he just, six games. That's that's up there. I think the shortest we've ever seen was Scott Parker with Bournemouth there is like three, four matches, but that's that's unbelievable. I didn't know that went under the radar. So you're aware that Troy Troy Deeney was in jail, correct? Yeah, they said this was his first uh coaching experience. I didn't this was fresh out of jail they hired. No, 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 no. Oh, so he was in jail many, many years ago, twenty twelve. A long time before we even learned the name Troy Deeney, most likely. Um People will remember him from that goal that he scored, I think, against Leicester. Um, Was that the FA? Was that FA Cup or was it a promotion? That was the championship. Championship promotion. promotion. Yeah. So I I remember that, um, and I remember the call. But yeah, he was in some sort of fight. It was an attack uh, on students, jailed uh, for ten months in 2012. So, do you think? I shouldn't, (laughs) this is not like funny, you know, it's not funny to make fun of this, but you think he's the only manager uh, in the top three leagues in England that's ever been to jail? Or do you think there's more? Because I think there's more. Sure. Some people have been in there overnight for like little misdemeanors. No, I'm talking like a a stint, like a proper stint. 10 months, that's almost a year. That's a a real amount of time spent in jail. You think anybody else has? I'm sure if they became relevant, things would have came out about them to to ultimately see them get pulled back down to to where everybody else is. But I don't know that I'm look. I'm reading this now. You're saying it said he he broke someone's jaw and they required 20 stitches. Uh, he, what was he? Hey, he's said, a hard bastard. I mean, look at him. I mean, yeah, he's a tough lad in that yeah. and let and let his emotions get the better of him. But like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think anybody's done anything like that. Yeah, that's outrageous. He's uh well. He may have been a good fighter, was a solid enough footballer, cult hero, but 
Um, certainly uh, not Nine the days in charge. greatest manager. Yeah, that's less time than Wayne Rooney spent in charge uh, at Birmingham City, and that was a nightmare within itself. So, uh, I said the first three games after he left, they won them all. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> that is correct. Um, yeah, I have no idea. You're talking about Rooney, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what? So when when Rooney took over, you know they were sixth, right? Yeah, they were fighting for promotion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and then, then they, they dropped, dropped all the way relegation. down. <laughs> yeah. Currently, where are they currently now? Birmingham. They're twentieth, so they're out of relegation, but they're still potentially they're not going to get dropped. Well, you know who bought a, a minority stake in that team, right? Who's that? Oh, Tom Brady. What right? one? Tom Brady. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah, he bought a minority stake, and then it, like Wayne came like pretty much in right after that, and then shit the bed. I guess I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever see Wayne again. Unfortunate for Waza, but what are you gonna do? Uh, Tom came in too late. The 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 Bellingham boys. He could have roped him to stay. Yeah, that's true. Um. All right. Uh, that's that's it. I think in terms of um the episode this week, we're right at an hour. So, thank you for listening to the inaugural episode uh, of the Cutback. Uh, I've been Evan. Matt's been Matt, and we're gonna give you the plugs a little bit differently this time because they are um different. You know, we have the Cutback underscore on Twitter. No spaces in that one. And then on Instagram, we have the underscore cutback. That is where you can find us on social media. The RSS pod feed has not changed whatsoever. So you will still be able to find all past episodes of this show, which was once called Post 20 and is now called The Cutback on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. It may take a minute for you guys to see the logo. We have upgraded it. We have updated it uh, across social media and to the RSS feed. Sometimes it just takes a minute on Apple and Spotify to update. So if you want to see it, go to SoundCloud or go to uh, either of the social media pages uh, where we will be making a concerted effort to post more. Um, and you will, you know, see the new, uh, new shiny things over there. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out where I just told you to, and we will see you all next week.